My name is Ron Cool. I'm one of the pastors here at Hillside, and it's my joy again to welcome all of you here, again, especially the families here for the baptism. It's great for us to be able to celebrate this, and, and uh, we just pray that you experience a warm welcome during our time of worship. When we think about faith, and for some of us, many of us here this morning, it's our faith. For some of us, we're still exploring, but when we think about faith, I, I think one of the things that we, we sometimes think is that if we have faith, and if we have strong enough faith, then we will never be afraid. That if we have really good faith, if we have really strong faith, then we will never be afraid because we'll know God can do anything and that our God is bigger, our God is stronger, our God is greater. And so if we just believe enough, if we just have strong enough faith, then we will never be afraid. This morning I want to suggest that that's not right. This morning I want to suggest that we live in a world in which fear is a reality, in which fear is sometimes exactly the right thing to feel. And and we see that in Scripture. We see that through uh, King David, one of the greatest people of faith. And and I want to take a look at an incident in his life when he was really afraid. Now, let's establish that David was somebody who was an amazing person of faith, okay? David was not just kind of average. David was full of deep faith. In fact, God said about David that this is a man after my own heart. 1 Samuel 13, verse 14, he was respected by God. God said, this is a man after my own heart. It's reported again, repeated in Acts 13, verse 14. But God says, this is one who who loves me. This is one who I love. So, I mean, that's pretty high praise. Nobody else is, is given that title in Scripture. He is a man after God's own heart. He's respected by God. He has amazingly strong faith. Psalm 23, verse 1 is one that some of us are familiar with. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. David knows that God can provide and God will provide absolutely everything. He has extremely strong faith and he also has great courage. When the Israelite army was fighting against the Philistines and Goliath, the giant, the champion, the nine-footer out of of Gath, the Philistines, when he came out and he threatened everybody and challenged anybody to a one-on-one fight, the armies of Israel, every single person was afraid and didn't do anything. David shows up. He's 15 or 16 years old. He's never been in a battle like this. David says, I'll take him on. I'll take him on because I know my God will protect me. He says, the Lord... The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the paw, from the hand of this Philistine. David says, I dare to do this, right? I I know God will protect me. I know God will take care of me. And so David steps out. David was this amazing person of faith. Again, that's, that's when he was 15 or 16 years old, okay? This is not something he developed later from the very beginning. He was an amazing person of faith. And yet, and yet there were times when David was terrified. There were times when David was scared silly. I want to look at one of them for you. This is one that occurred before David became king. Uh, we talked about it last week. Some of you know this, but, but Saul was the first king of Israel, and then Saul turned away from God, and David was anointed to be king in secret. But David was going to be king. He had killed Goliath. He was leading the armies of Israel. He was serving Saul in a good way, but Saul was threatened by David, and so Saul decided that David needed to be gotten rid of. He needed to be done away with. We saw last week that he tried to do that through slander. This week we recognize he tried to do that by just simply sending a hit squad after David. Okay, so there, there's this hit squad out in the hills looking for David. Now, you might think that the next part of the story is that David says, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear and the paw of the Philistines, that Lord will protect me from the paw of Saul. Now, David runs away. <laughs> he runs away to this city called Gath, which is about 30 miles away. 
And what's really important about Gath is that Gath is in the middle of enemy territory. Okay, it's in the middle of Philistine territory. The Israelites were fighting against the Philistines. Now, on the one hand, it's a, it's, it's a smart move. There's good news. Saul is not going to look for him there. Who would expect David, the leader of the armies, to go to Gath? You don't go to the capital city of one of your enemies and, 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 and kind of hide out there. So Saul is not going to look for him. Saul really cannot look for him, okay? So Saul, that's the good news. The bad news, of course, is if they figure out who David is, they want to kill him. <laughs> because in addition to this being a, a place, a city, where the Philistines were holding, were holding reign and, and, and the king was, was a Philistine, this is also the place where Goliath grew up. Gath is Goliath's hometown, so they were not real fans of David. But David said, I got no choice. I got I to gotta run there. I got I to gotta go there. And, and, and so David, again, it's not exactly clear, but we, we have to assume that he was hoping he could just kind of slide in, just another homeless guy. Didn't try to look kingly. He didn't try to look like a leader. He didn't try to look like a general in the army. He was just going to kind of slide in. But at some point, he ended up in the court of the king. Either he was recognized and brought to the king, or he went himself to just kind of say, and, and, and again, my guess is he didn't say, call me David, he said, call me Ishmael. Um, I'm just this guy, you know, I mean, he, 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 he tried to sneak that in, and, and, but he ended up in the court of the king, and the servants of the king recognized him, okay? And, and so they either recognized and brought him there or recognized him when he was there. 1 Samuel 21, verse 11 says this, but the servants of Achish, he's the king of Gath, um, the servants of Achish said to him, uh, isn't this David? It, he, he says he's Ishmael, but isn't this David, the king of Israel? Now, David's not king yet, but it's interesting. They know it in Philistia before they know it in Israel, that David's going to be king. Isn't this the king? And isn't this the one about whom they, they sing about in their dances? Saul has slain his thousands, David his tens of thousands. And, and so you kind of have this picture of the king is there and David is brought before him and the guards are saying, um, maybe we should do something about him. You've got the general leading your other armies, the enemy's armies, and maybe we can, you know, cut his head off. He cut off Goliath's head, we'll cut off his head. The, the world is nicely arranged. We'll just kind of do to him what he did to us. And so why don't we do that? And David at this moment doesn't say, the Lord will deliver me. He's scared. David took these words to heart and was very much afraid of Achish, king of Gath. In fact, in Hebrew, the word is really he was terrified. He was terrified because he was in a terrifying situation. He was in a situation where he might well be tortured. He was in a situation where he might just be killed. But he was in a situation where it was really, really scary. And one of the things we need to recognize this morning is that fear Fear is a reality in the world in which we live. The fact of the matter is we have a baby, and we know love. Maybe love like we've never known before, but you guys probably know it already. You know fear. When you have kids, when you have somebody you care about, you know what it is to fear. If you've ever been in a mall, if you've ever been in a park, for us it was a park, and had your three-year-old disappear for 15 minutes... And you say, that he was on that swing, where did he go? Where did he go? And, and that fear of what happened. What happened to our kid? What, where is he? What's going on? And for 15 minutes, you're just gripped by fear. If you've gotten that call from the doctor and he says, you know what? I've got to talk about the test results, but I want you to come in. They don't give you bad news over the phone. They'll give you good news over the phone. And when the doctor says, you've got to come in, the police call and say there's been an accident. 
if you go and clean up your daughter's room and you find drugs, all of a sudden your heart is just gripped by fear. Your spouse says she doesn't love you anymore. I mean, there's this fear. The, the fact of the matter is it was not silly and it was not faithless for David to feel afraid. It, it, it's not a lack of faith. And the first question what I want to think about with you this morning that sets us up for Psalm 56 is, is what did David do? What did David do when he was afraid? What did David do when he was in this situation where he was just gripped by fear, where he's facing these things that, 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 that are just really frightening, the way you and I sometimes have things in our lives that are really frightening? What did David do? Well, he brought his fear to the Lord. As we've been talking this summer about bringing our lives to God, David prayed. He brought his fear to the Lord, and he does this in Psalm 56, okay? Psalm 56. And this is one of those psalms where, at least in the New International Version, we get some information at the top of it that kind of tells us some of the background of the psalm. It says this. It says, For the director of music, to the tune of a dove on distant oaks. Who knows what that is? We don't know. It would be fun, wouldn't it? Of David. Okay, we know it's written by David, and it's a miktam which we have no idea what that means either. It could be, it goes with drums, it could be, it's wind instruments, but it's that. But the key line is the next one, when the Philistines had seized him in Gath. So either David is there at this moment when, when he's right in front of Achish, maybe he's been, Achish has said, you know what, put him in a cell, I want to think about what to do. Maybe, maybe it's before he gets to Achish, but David was filled with fear. We saw that he's terrified, and this is what he prays. This is what he does. He starts off, and he just kind of lets God know that he's in trouble. David tells God he's in trouble, verses 1 and 2 of Psalm 56. Be merciful to me, my God, for my enemies are in hot pursuit whether those are physical enemies, emotional enemies, whether those are spiritual enemies, you know what it's like. Sometimes it just feels like life is out to get you. My enemies are in hot pursuit. All day long they press their attack. My adversaries pursue me all day long. In their pride, many are attacking me. Again, David is in a situation where his own armies are attacking him. Saul is attacking him. He goes to the enemy. They want to cut his head off. This is a guy who's homeless with nowhere to go. And he's got no country, and he's just getting attacked all day long. All right, this is what he's talking about. Be merciful to me, my God, for my enemies are in hot pursuit. All day long they press their attack. My adversaries pursue me all day long. In their pride, many are attacking me. And then he comes to verse 3. This is the, the heart of this psalm. These next words, and this is a great verse to memorize if you've never memorized it before. This is a great verse to memorize, and it's not just because it's short. But David says, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. And, and I think, again, it's important for us to recognize. He doesn't say, I'm never afraid because I've put my trust in you. No, David says, when? When I am afraid, I put my trust in you, God. When I'm in this situation where I don't know what to do, when I feel like my life is out of control, when I'm scared about what's going to happen, when I'm scared about what's going to happen and, and whether I'm going to be embarrassed or whether I'm going to lose my life or whether I'm going to have to deal with cancer, whatever it is, God, when I'm scared, I put my trust in you. And actually, again, the, the Hebrew would better be translated, I think, I, I keep on putting. It's not just I do it once. It's I keep on putting my trust in you or I work to put my trust in you. God, when I'm afraid, then I, then I gear it up and I say, God, I want to work hard to put my trust in you. I want to see what it's like. I want to turn my life over to you. And that really becomes the main question I want to think about with you. How did David 
work to put his trust in God. What did David do in that time of bringing his life in God to God? What did David do during that time of prayer? How did he do that? How did he deepen his trust by, by, by prayer, by bringing his life to God? And I want to suggest that there are three things that David does in Psalm 56. Three things that David does that you and I can learn to do, that you and I can follow him in doing. That he doesn't say, well, God, I'm going to do these three things. He's singing, he's passionate, he's, he's just throwing it out. But you'll see that there's kind of a progression of three things that David does. The first thing David does, he says, God, when I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. And, and he remembers God's word. He remembers God's promises. He remembers the scriptures that he was taught. Already by this time, there were scriptures, okay? That Moses had written, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, those Pentateuch, those Torah books. And, 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 and Joshua had, had occurred, and, and these stories were out there. And so David writes this, all right? Verse 3, he says, When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. And then he says this, In God, whose word I praise... In God, whose word I praise. Another way to translate that might be, I boast in your promises. God, I, 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 God I, is so good in it, so I just put my faith. I give thanks for all of God's promises. I give thanks for all of the words of God. In God I trust, and then my fear decreases, and I'm not afraid. When I remember God's word, in God, whose word I praise... And God, I boast in his promises. I give thanks for all that God has said. And I was trying to think about it this week, and I thought, what do you think David thought of? What are the promises that David came up with? What, what, what were the things that he was thinking about? And I wondered about Joshua 1, verse 5. Joshua was somebody who was, uh, uh, this is right at the beginning of the time where he's going to lead the people of Israel into the promised land. They're going to cross the Jordan River. There are armies there that are going to threaten them. They've never been in, in, in this kind of battle before. And, and so Joshua is there. He's scared. Moses is now gone. Joshua feels alone and he's scared. And God comes and God says to, to Joshua, he says, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And then these words, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will never leave you. And I wonder if David was standing there or kneeling there or whatever he was in front of Achish or in the cell. And he just said to himself, God, you've promised I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. God, you've promised that you would be there for me. You've promised that you're here with me. So God, be still my soul. Remind me, God. You will never leave me nor forsake you. You will never leave. God's saying, I will never leave you or forsake you. I, I had somebody just, it was, I can't remember exactly when it was. It was probably four weeks ago. But they said, you know, I was in this really bad situation, and, and I just felt like the Spirit was saying to me over and over again, I will never leave you or forsake you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Friends, when we are afraid, remember Scripture. I thought it could have been Psalm 90. Did you know Moses wrote a psalm? Moses wrote one psalm, it's Psalm 90, and, and, and again, think about David, he's homeless basically right now, he's got no home, he's got no city, he's got no safe place, and, and Psalm 90 verse 1, it says this, Lord, you, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all the generations, it hasn't been the tents, it hasn't been the rocks, homes, it hasn't been the cities, Lord, you have been our dwelling place, and maybe David just said to himself, God, remind me of that when I don't have a place to go. You've been our dwelling place. You provide me security, Lord. You have been our dwelling place. He remembered God's word, and, and so should we. Uh, one of the most powerful things you and I can learn to do in our lives is, is, is to remember God's word. We can memorize it. 
This is one of the reasons I continue to work at this, okay? Because I think it's so important. Like a passage like Romans 8, 38 and 39. And, and, and again, you don't have to get the whole thing. But Paul says, I am convinced. I am convinced that neither death nor life. I am convinced, he says, let me put it up here. I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation. Nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing will be able to separate us. That's verse 39 there. Nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And and, and I've just spoken that to myself over and over and over again. Memorize scripture, all right? Sing it. It's one of the reasons worship is so important for us, that, to sing. And, and, and so there are songs, and we want to do them often enough so that you can get to know them. But think about this in Christ alone, and, and let's sing it together, okay? Join me soon. But if you can do it with your eyes closed, do that. But in Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are still, when sighing cease, my comforter. When you're afraid, sing that. Or one that hundreds of thousands of Christians have been blessed by. Great is thy faithfulness. Again, join me. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassion, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever will be. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness, morning by morning. Mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto Right? I mean, you can, to know that, it's Lamentations 3. New mercies every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Written in a situation that, that uh, Jeremiah, Israel, that Jerusalem was destroyed. He says, but God, great is your faithfulness. You are still with us. All right, he remembered God's word, all right, and so should we. The second thing, all right, the second thing that, that David does in this prayer, and, and uh, this is really interesting. It's fascinating the way he does this. He, he right-sized his problems, 
Okay? He sees God, and he says, God, you're faithful. God, you promised you're never going to leave me. God, our God is greater. Our God is stronger. You promised all these things. And so he sees that, and now and then he looks at his, prom- his problems again. Okay? Now, now then, and, and they look a little bit different. When we stop looking at God and start to only look at our problems, our problem gets huge. But when he, when he sees God, he right-sizes his problems. Back to verse 4. In God whose word I praise, in God I trust, and am not afraid. And then, and, and then this is the end of that verse. What can mere mortals do to me? And, and you kind of get the sense, you know, what can mere mortals do to me? I got God on my side. I know God is going to take care of me. What can mere mortals do to me? And, and, and I don't know if this is the case, but I think for many of us, the answer that we want to say is nothing. Nothing. I, they can't touch me. You can't touch this. This is not anything you can do because God is greater. God is stronger. What can you do to me? But what's interesting is David is honest. <laughs> David is honest, and he says, uh, but they can still do some things to me. So I just didn't say he disappears his problems. He right-sizes them, okay? Look at how this happens, okay? Verse, the end of verse 4 is, what can mere mortals do to me? And, and if we just stop there, you'd say the answer is nothing, right? But look at what he does in verses 5 and 6. All day long, they twist my words. Their schemes are for my ruin. They conspire. They lurk. They watch my steps. They're hoping to take my life. They pursue. They attack. One and two, pursue and attack. I mean, they, 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 they even want this. Turns out they can do quite a bit. They can cut off his head. They can torture him. They can cause him great pain. And, 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 and so it, the, the solution is not to just say, well, what can mere mortals do to me? Nothing. No, what can mere mortals do to me? They can hurt me a lot, but they cannot take me out of God's hands. It's right-sizing them. It's putting them in their place. It's, it's doing that and, and, and saying, no, this is where those things belong. They are not overwhelming. They're not bigger than God. Nothing can take me out of the hands. Nothing can take me away from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing, all right? Nothing can do that. And so he right-sizes his problems. Yes, our enemies can hurt us. There are scary things in this world, and it's frightening to do that. And, 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 and it's frightening to go through some things. I heard somebody say it once, and I thought, that's exactly right. I'm not afraid of, of death. I'm afraid of dying. I, I'm, I'm confident in my faith that one day I will be with Jesus. The dying part can be really scary. And, 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 and that's a reality of the world in which we live, right? The, the fact is our, our enemies can hurt us. They, can take, they can't take us away from God because our God is stronger. And, and David goes on to say, and, and, and I know one day he will make all things new. He will stop all of his enemies. Verse 7, because of their wickedness, do not let them escape. In your anger, God, bring the nations down. And David knows one day he will. One day he will. So he right-sizes his problems, okay? He sees God, and he remembers God's word, and then he right-sizes his problem. What can mere mortals do to me? Well, yeah, they can do some stuff, but they can't take me out of God's hands. Yeah, they can, they can do some things, but... But God has promised he will never leave me or forsake me, and so I know he's going to be with me. And, and, and so I can put him in this place. Now, I don't know if this is how it went in David's mind, but it did for me as I was working through this psalm this week. Because I thought, okay, if we take these things, if indeed, if you, God, have promised to be with me, and God, if you are bigger than my enemies, more powerful than my enemies, if you are bigger than my problems, then why do I still have my problems? God, why don't you do something? Do you not care? Do you not care? Sometimes you wonder that. God, God, I know you're big enough. I know that you did. But do you just not care? So the third thing, 
He remembers God's words. He right-sizes his problems. And then he remembers God's heart. Verse 8. And I'm going to use the New, Internet, or the New American Standard Bible in this translation. I think it gets it better. Psalm 56, 8. Again, it's, it's one of those verses that maybe you want to memorize. But, but David says this. You have taken account of my wanderings. And the word for wanderings could also be turnings, okay? It, 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 it's a word that means you've taken account of that. So it could be that David is saying, God, you've, you've followed me every step of the way. My journey has been in, in all these places, but I know what, you took account of my wanderings in that sense, or my turnings when I toss and turn at night in bed. God writes that down. You take an account. He writes that down. He knows exactly where we've been. He knows every step of the way. He knows everything we've gone through. And again, he knows it even more powerfully through Jesus Christ because he has experienced what that's like. Put your, my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? What this refers to is, is in those days, they would have bottles, and, they, and they're not really bottles as much as wine flasks, something like that. But, but as a sign of deep compassion, you would capture teardrops and you would hold on to those and and you might put those in with somebody who had passed away just to say this is how much I love you I cried all these tears for you God knows your tears God knows every tear that you have cried he's written down each one David says I know I know that you care for me God I know that you've watched every step of the way I know that you've caught every tear that I've cried God I know I know that And so I'll just live with not being sure why you're not stepping in right now. I'll just live with that, and I'll hold on to it. But I know this. The next verse, he goes on, and he says, Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know, that God is for me. God is for you. God is for you. He knows every turn when you can't get to sleep at night. He knows every tear when you're crying. God is for you. David put his work, David put his, he, he grew his trust in God by remembering God's word, by right-sizing his problems, and then by remembering God's heart. He gathers it all up, verses 10 and 11. It's kind of a chorus. He gathers it all together, and he says this. He said, in, all, in God, whose word I praise, in the Lord. This is the first time we get Lord in this psalm, okay? And, and, and this is the word Yahweh in the Old Testament. This is the word Yahweh. And, and it generally kind of focuses a little more on God as being in relationship with us. He's the covenant God. He's the promise-making God. The first God in the, in the first line there is Elohim, which usually is about God's power, God's strength. So, so now we have, yeah, in God, in the powerful one whose word I trust, in the Lord, the relational one. The covenant God, the one who's made promises to me. In him, in in the Lord whose word I praise. In God I trust and I'm not afraid what can man do to me. And so again, we have all three of those things, right? We have the word. We're remembering the word. We have right-sizing his problems. What can man do to me? And then we have the relational in the Lord whose word I praise. And so as David sings this chorus to himself again and again, as our trust deepens, and, and, and as our fears decrease, and, and sometimes they will still be there. But we remember, and David closes off the psalm with saying, Thanks. I am under vows to you, my God. I will present my thank offerings to you. For you have delivered me from death and my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. Don't know whether David wrote that in anticipation of being delivered. 
God, I know you're going to do this, so I'm, I'm just thanking you this. Or if, if later on he wrote the rest of this. If in the midst of it he said, God, I'm just going to trust you. And then when he got out, when he was done, and, and you'll have to go back and read Samuel for how he got out, but that's a different sermon. It, it's a good one. But, but, but David gets out, and maybe it was at that point that he says, God, you have set me free. So for us, when we are afraid, not if we are afraid, but when we are afraid, when you get the doctor's visit coming up, when you got the call, when you're scared about your kids, when you're scared about your health, whatever it is, when we are afraid, remember God's word. Sing it, memorize it, read it. Remember God's word. Remember what he has said, that I will never leave you nor forsake you, that nothing can take you away from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Remember God's word. Right-size your problems. Take them seriously. They can hurt. It's not fun. Right-size them because nothing can take you out of the hand of our God. Nothing. And then remember God's heart. He loves you more than anybody ever has. And then say thanks. Fear's a reality. But David shows us that we can put it in God's hands. We could say, God... When I am afraid, I will trust in you. Let's pray together. Father, sometimes the circumstances we're in, and for some of us right now, the circumstances we're in are really scary. And we're afraid. Thanks for reminding us this morning that it doesn't mean we lack faith. Thanks for reminding us it doesn't mean that we don't trust you enough. But Father, deepen our trust. Remind us of your word right-size our problems, and remind us of your heart. And now we say, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.